All right, a little show of hands. How many of you have ever had an enemy? Oh, my goodness, you are horrible people. What are you doing? All of you have enemies. My goodness. Maybe it's your brother or sister. How many of you had siblings that, that, that oh, <laughs> I heard that. Oh, <laughs> wow. First service was so much more quiet. It was so much better. But uh, <laughs> maybe it's your brother's sister. Maybe it's that sibling rivalry and you never got over it. Maybe as you grew up, uh, it just hasn't gotten any better. Um, you fought as kids, like cats and dogs. And uh, I'm sure there were times that my parents thought my brother and I were going to kill each other in the basement. <laughs> It was it was intense. It was intense. But you didn't get you didn't get along growing up and you don't get along now. And it's stressful. It stresses you out. I'm thankful my brother and I get along great now. Um, But you know that there's family get togethers coming up and it stresses you out. You know, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, right? Thanksgiving's coming up and you're going to get together and there's going to be a turkey to carve, and somebody's going to hold a knife, and for just a moment, it's going to be like, ugh. But no, our, our brothers and sisters, sometimes we don't get along, and and it's stressful. Maybe your enemy is a co-worker, and they're, they're intimidated by you. They're intimidated by your faith. They're intimidated uh, by uh, your uh, the, the example you set. They're intimidated by your work ethic, and, and you've got a co-worker, and they're your enemy. They just don't like you. And everyone at work knows it. Maybe your, co- your enemy is a, a friend who's turned on you. A, a friend of yours who you were close, uh, but then all of a sudden they, they turned on you and, and they gossiped about you to someone else. And, and they just feel like they, they used to be a friend, but now they're an enemy. It's stressful. It's very, very distressing and stressful. You try to let it go. You try to give it up, but you just can't. And it keeps you awake at night. You can't even sleep. Well, maybe it's a fellow Christian. Maybe it's somebody in this room right now, and you're like, the hair on your arm just stood up. It's like, wait a minute. All right, now we're hitting a little too close to home. But maybe it's someone in this room. Maybe it's somebody who goes to church here. And every time you see them walk through that door, you see their car pull in the parking lot, and you get a little queasy feeling in your stomach like, oh, here we go again. And you feel like they're an enemy. And, and you almost just, you almost wish deep down inside, you know what, if they found another church, I'd be totally cool with that. And you're thinking, i got to spend eternity with this person. I don't know how that's going to work. Oh, you go over on your cloud, way over there, and I'll be on my cloud over here, okay? And, you know, I'll wave to you on your cloud over there. Okay, nice to see you. Yeah, we're all in heaven. It's stressful. It's stressful. And may, maybe they're not a true enemy, but you just you just don't like each other very much. Maybe there's, maybe you, your wife or your husband is an enemy, or, or your son or daughter feels like an enemy, and it's stressing you out. It's so very stressful. This morning we are going to continue on in our sermon series called Psalms in the Key of Life. And we're talking about Psalms all summer long. We started way back in the beginning of June, and, and here we are now. It's the end of July, and, 
Uh, we got a few more weeks to go throughout the month of August, and then we're going to do something really neat. We're going to do something really neat in September, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in the next coming weeks. Um, but for this morning, we're going to continue on this sermon series called Psalms in the Key of Life, and we're looking at different psalms all summer long and how they really apply to our lives each day. And there, sometimes we think of the psalms as, oh, those are nice songs of praise, and they're, they're nice little songs that, the, that, the, uh, that God's people sang in the Old Testament, and, and Jesus quoted them in, in the New Testament. And, and, you know, the psalms are nice. They're safe. They're easy. They're, they're nice little poems. And I think that we found out this summer that that's not necessarily the case. They're nice, they're, don't get me wrong, but they speak to real life. They speak to our lives each and every day about how we are to live, uh, about how we can have hope and how we can have peace, how we can have freedom from worry and fear. The Psalms are real. They express real emotion. And today is no different. Today we're talking about Psalm 4. And we're talking about stress. And we're talking about enemies. We're talking about how David was stressed out because of his enemies. And that's what we find in Psalm 4. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the background of Psalm 4 first. We're going to talk about the story behind the psalm. Uh, and then we're going to see how it applies to our lives. And I want to ask you now to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 4. If you have a Bible, if you can locate one. If not, there's one in the pew in front of you. Turn to Psalm 4 and uh, grab your bulletin. Turn to page 3 to the handy-dandy outline. You can fill in some blanks in just a few moments. But I want to tell you a little bit about this story about David and his enemy. And David was dealing with a very difficult enemy. Now, it's one thing to go up against the Philistines. It's one thing to go up against Goliath. That's a, a real apparent enemy. It's another thing entirely when your enemy is under your roof. It's another thing entirely when your enemy is family. When your enemy is in your own house. David's son Absalom was attempting to overthrow his father. David's son Absalom, he was his second oldest son, was attempting to overthrow the king and to take David's kingship. Second Samuel 15 talks about how Absalom set himself up against his father. In 2 Samuel 15, 1-6, this is what it says. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would cry out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. And then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the, representative of the king to hear you. He's, he's undermining his father. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me, and I would see that they receive justice. He's undermining his dad. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice, and so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. He stole the people's hearts. The reason that David and Absalom were at, were, were at odds, you may wonder, how did it come to this? It's a sad story, really. See, like I said, Absalom was the second oldest son. 
The oldest son was Amnon, and Amnon committed a despicable act that angered his father and angered his brother, filled his brother with rage. You see, Amnon raped his sister Tamar. And Absalom was so filled with rage at what Amnon did to his sister that he set up a feast and he invited all of his brothers, there were four of them, he invited his brothers to this feast. So Amnon comes to the feast, the brothers come to the feast with a bunch of other guests. And what Absalom had decided is when he gave the signal, his servants were going to kill his brother Amnon. Sure enough, Absalom gets the, the signal. They kill his brother Absalom. Uh, they kill his brother Amnon. David finds out that Absalom has killed his brother. Now this means that Absalom is now the oldest. He is next in line for the for the uh, throne. David finds out that Absalom has killed his brother Amnon, and he doesn't talk to him for two years. Refuses to see him. Refuses to talk to him for two years. David is furious. He's brokenhearted that his son has been killed. He's brokenhearted that there's this broken relationship. He's angry with Absalom for killing his brother. And now Absalom is angry with his father because he refuses to see him because his father refused to do anything about it. So uh, Absalom uh, is the ba uh, finds out that his baby brother Solomon has been anointed to be the next king of Israel. Now he's even more angry. But it was announced by a prophet that Solomon would be the next king. So Absalom's very angry. He wants an audience with the king. He wants an audience with David. And David refuses. Well, after four years goes by, four years goes by, Absalom sends word to David that he has made a vow to God to go to the city of Hebron in order to make a sacrifice, in order to worship God in Hebron. So the king said to him, this is in 2 Samuel 15, 9 through 12. The king said to him, go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. 200 men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, to come from Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's following kept on increasing. Now, the interesting thing about the city of Hebron, that's the city. This is the city where Absalom's going to go and declare himself king. That's the city where David was anointed king. And now he's going to go to the city where his, where his dad was anointed king, and he's going to declare himself to be king. We pick it up in 15, verses 13 and through 15. A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials and all who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. So Absalom is out to get his dad. He's out to kill his father and to take his throne. And David is stressed out. He is in distress. He is fearing for his life. And so he and his servants leave Jerusalem. This is the backdrop for Psalm 4. Psalm 4 teaches us how to deal 
with our enemies. Because Absalom was now David's enemy. And at some point, we will have enemies. We may have someone in our lives that we bump, bump up against and, and we do something that causes them to dislike us. We may say the wrong thing. We may do the wrong thing. And it causes someone to become an enemy, someone who just doesn't like us for whatever reason. We rub someone the wrong way. We're in the wrong. We recognize that. And we try to make amends. We try to reach out to them. We apologize. We ask for forgiveness. And we try to make it right. And they just won't listen. For whatever reason, they just, the answer is no. The answer is no. Sometimes we'll come across people who like us, who dislike us, uh, who are enemy for no reason whatsoever. They just don't like your face. I don't like your face. It's like it's a nice face. I clean it. I keep it well shaven. You know, what's wrong with my face? I don't like your face. And that's it. They just don't like you for whatever reason. It could be because you follow Jesus. It's because you're a Christian. They think you're a goody two-shoes. You think you're better than me. Anybody ever tell you that? You're holier than thou. You think you're better than me. What are you, some kind of religious nut, some kind of Jesus freak? You think you're better than me? And they don't like you. They may, be, uh, they may not like the fact that you have joy in your life. You walk around with a big smile on your face all the time. They just don't like that. They're just sour. I don't like that smile on your face. I don't like the fact that you're happy and joyful. You should be miserable like the rest of us. And there are people who just, you know, misery loves company, right? Sure seems that way. You know, you think about it. And, um, you know, miserable people are going to come against you just because you're not miserable. They may be jealous of God's blessings in your life. They look at you like, what makes you so special that God should, should bless you in that way? You know, these people, it seems like they're having a perpetual bad hair day. You ever have a bad hair day? I'm having fewer of them. Amen. But all of these things can really stress us out. The enemies in our lives can stress us out. And David wrote Psalm 4 when he was stressed out over Absalom. So how can we deal with our enemies? How can we deal with our enemies? Grab your bulletin, turn to page 3, let's fill in some blanks. The first blank on your outline is to cry out to God. Cry out to God. That's the very first thing that David does in Psalm 4. Uh, Grab your Bible, turn to Psalm 4, and let's read verse 1. Psalm 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. God is the one who can give us relief from stress and distress. Now, I really like the way the English Standard Version, different translation of the Bible, I like the way the English Standard Version translates this better than the NIV. And this is what it says. It says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness, You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. It captures the the tense of the Hebrew word so much better than the NIV does because what David is saying is that God has answered him before. That when he was stressed out and when he was distressed before, God has answered him before. So he cries out to God again. He says, God, I know that you are watching over me. God, I know that you can give me relief because you've done it before. So we cry out to God. When we find ourselves stressed because of an enemy, when we find ourselves stressed because someone has come against us, we need to begin by crying out to God for protection. We cry out to God for deliverance. We cry out to God for relief. And God has heard our prayers before. How many of you have ever heard? How many of you have ever had God answer a prayer for you? 
Yeah, God answers prayers, right? He's answered your prayers before. He will answer your prayers again. So when you are stressed out because of an enemy, cry out to God for relief and protection and deliverance. Cry out in faith to God. The second thing we need to do, the second step we need to take is to plead with our enemies. So plead with your enemies. Look at verses 2 through 5 of Psalm 4. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? This is David talking about his enemies. How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly or godly ones for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. David was sending a message to Absalom and his followers. See, David was the anointed king of Israel. He was the godly one about whom he says in this verse uh, that the Lord is with the godly ones. And he knew that God was on his side. David was doing the right things. He hadn't done anything wrong. He had a righteous anger. He had a right to be angry with his son. He hadn't done anything to enrage Absalom. And yet Absalom was trying to overthrow David and, and take away his throne. So David lets Absalom know that the Lord was on his side. That God is on my side. Like the song we sang earlier. The God of angel armies is on my side. He is on our side. Absalom would not succeed because God heard his cries, heard David's cries, and was with him. In verses 4 and 5, he tells, uh, he tells Absalom, do not sin in your anger. Do not sin in your anger. He's trying to turn their hearts back to God by, by helping them to turn away from sin. He's pleading with them to have a right relationship with God, to get right with God. You know, the most important relationship we have is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to earth, and he went to the cross, he suffered and died, so that we could have a right relationship with God, so that we could be forgiven and have a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's why Jesus died on the cross, was so that we could have this right relationship. This offer is for everyone. This is going to sting a little bit, okay? This is going to hurt just a little bit, a little pinch, okay? This offer of a right relationship with God is for everyone, including your enemies, including my enemies. John, you have enemies? I have enemies. You have enemies. I asked you that earlier. You said you did. So I'm falling back on that. Even your enemies, God wants to have a right relationship with them. Now, it may be hard, but I believe that God wants us to tell our enemies about Jesus. Wait, what? They don't like me. They hate me. And, and, and what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do? How can I tell somebody about Jesus who hates me? Well, there's a couple steps you can take. The first one is found in Matthew 5, 43 through 45. We're going to pray for them. Look at this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is what Jesus says. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So, Love your enemies and pray for them. What? What? You want me to love my enemies? I don't want my I don't want them to love my enemies. I'll pray for them, all right? I'll pray the lightning strikes them. Come on, God sent some lightning bolts down on my enemies. It's time for it's smiting time. Right? No. We love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. We love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. This is what God has called us to do. This is what Jesus tells us to do. 
And then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to kill them with kindness. And you're like, take off the kindness part and we're good. Then we're going to kill them with kindness. Look at Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And you're like, we like verses, verse 22 so much better than verse 21. I don't know that I necessarily want to feed him. I don't know that I want to clothe him. I don't know, want to know that I want to give him something to drink. But the burning, heaping coals, I, I like that. I like the heaping of the burning coals. That sounds good. And the reward of the Lord, even better. I heap burning coals, I get rewarded. Awesome. No, 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 no. We're going to kill him with kindness. Our enemies, we're going to love them in Jesus' name. We're going to pray for them in Jesus' name. We're going to do kind deeds for them in Jesus' name. Because the most important thing to keep in mind is that even an enemy needs to hear about Jesus. Even an enemy needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Because when they put their faith and trust in Jesus, when they believe in Him and repent from sin and confess Him as Lord and, and they're baptized, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and changes them from the inside out. It's not your job. Okay, nowhere in Scripture does it say, go out and change your enemies. It doesn't say, go out and transform your enemies. It says, tell people about Jesus. And then when they respond to the gospel, God will change them from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. God is the one who brings about transformation in our lives, in their lives, in everyone. God, is do God does the hard work of transformation. That's not your job. Your job is to love your enemies and pray for them and kill them with kindness. Can you do that? Oh, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But you can do it. Jesus died to change our hearts. And when someone responds to the gospel, he can change their heart too. He can transform their heart. So we need to plead with our enemies that they would put their faith and trust in Christ. The third blank on your outline is trust in the Lord. That's the last step, is to trust in the Lord. Look at verses 6 through 8. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David was worried. He was full of fear. He was full of worry. He was stressed out because of the advancing attacks of his son, Absalom. But David was going to trust in the Lord to give him peace. He was going to trust in the Lord to protect him. And by trusting in God, he had joy and he had peace. Great joy. True peace. Why? Because the Lord was protecting him. The Lord was dealing with his enemies. The Lord was helping him to deal with his enemies. And when we, have to, when we deal with our enemies, we need to trust in the Lord as well. And he can protect us. He can protect us from any enemy. And he is, he is far greater than any enemy. He is greater than our enemies, including the enemy of our souls. He will protect us. He will shine his face upon us. Now, one thing that we need to remember is that if we will honor God with our lives, he will honor our cause. If we will honor God with our lives, he will honor our cause. Because sometimes what we do is we go out and we sin against somebody and we, we break a relationship and, and we, we cause them to be our enemies. What God has asked us to do is to go and be reconciled to that person. We need to go tell them that we're sorry. We need to apologize when we hurt someone. 
In fact, Jesus said that when you go to worship and you bring your, your gift to the altar, that if you remember that someone has something against you, go and be reconciled to that person and then come worship. Go and be reconciled to that person and then come offer your gift. It's not pleasing to God when we offer gifts and there are relationships in our lives that are broken. If we have done something to hurt someone, if we have done something to cause friction, if we have done something to make someone an enemy, we need to go out and we need to be reconciled to that person. We need to make it right. Otherwise, I don't think that we can expect God's deliverance and protection. We have to do the right thing and make things right. Otherwise, uh, we cannot expect God's deliverance and protection. And once we have done everything it takes to make something right, to make a situation right, to make a relationship right, once we have done everything that we can possibly do, God will shine his face upon us. God will give you protection. God will give you his joy. He will give you his peace, making it possible for you to sleep in safety and security at night. You do not need to fear the attacks of the enemy. And dealing with enemies is a part of life. It's a part of life we can't get away from. We bump into one another. We make a mess of our relationships because we're sinful, because we're flawed, because we're, we're broken. And the Bible says that as far as it is possible, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone, but that's hard to do. It's not always easy. And when we have enemies, it's even harder. And we can get really stressed out. You know, take a look at your life and think, am I stressed out? Am I stressed out because of an enemy? Is there someone who's coming against me and it's something because of something I've done or maybe it's not because of anything that you've done at all? The best way to deal with our enemies is to trust in the Lord. And when we are stressed and when we are distressed because of our enemies, we trust in God to defend us. We trust in God to protect us. He is our refuge and he is our shelter. He is our strength and he is our shield. We don't have to defend our own cause because God is with us. My challenge for you this morning is to love your enemies and pray for them this week. Find some tangible way of going out and loving an enemy. I want you to think of that person right now. You know who they are. You've been thinking about them for the last 30 minutes. You've been thinking, oh, man, I can't believe that he's preaching on this today. I can't believe. How did he know? How did he know? I didn't know, but God knew, and that's why you're here. This is a message that he knew you needed to hear today. Just because it's not easy, just because it's not easy doesn't mean that you're exempt. So think of that person and think of a way that you can show God's love to them this week. And maybe, just maybe, do it. Pray for that person. Pray for them each day this week. Pray that God would uh, cool the ice between you, that God would heal the rift between you, and that God would turn enemies back into friends. Because God wants you to deal with your enemies, not by heaping coals on them, but by loving them and praying for them. Cry out to God to give you the strength enough to love your enemies. And when you do, as Proverbs says, the Lord will reward you. Let's pray. All right, thank you, Heavenly Father, for the relief you give from distress and the relief you give from stress. God, we have problems and situations in our lives that 
we don't know why they happen. Sometimes we mess up and we create enemies. But other times it just seems that people are sour and not very nice and they just don't like us because they don't like us. And it's stressful. So I pray that today you would help us to overcome the stress of, of broken relationships and enemies. You would help us to trust in you. But God, help us to love our enemies and to pray for them and then to do everything we can to make it right. Thank you again for your word and thank you for the story of David and, and how he, uh, he found refuge and, and strength and protection in you. May we do the same. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.